this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. Two and a half decades ago, I was praying on my way home from a minister's fellowship, just saying, God, I feel lonely. And I know you're getting a church started here and all that, but I just feel lonely. My wife's busy raising kids and you know, and, and uh, I'd like somebody to talk to about church. And God said, call Marvin Stanley. I called him and I said, would you consider coming to Gettysburg and help me get this church started? And he said, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. But he did. And um, came a couple of weeks later, visited with us, gave his life to this church and supporting me personally, and man, what a friend. He, I never questioned his loyalty, never questioned his commitment, never questioned the smile he put on his face every week here. I thought I would, you know. Uh, he was single when he got here. And a few years later, started a relationship with a lady here in the church with Mary. And I thought, well, this could rock a man's world. But he, he never wavered, never changed his mind, never stopped focusing on what God wanted to do. And uh, he was like that with me all of these years, solid, dependable, believed in every single person he ever met, you, believed in that God wanted to work through that person to change our world. For good, and uh, supported me. I came to him with the craziest ideas over the years. I mean, I was just thinking last night of um, we had a student graduated here. I don't know, two or three years into our church's existence, a student graduated here, went back home to Pittsburgh, and she called me and she said, um, "Jerry, you got to come to Pittsburgh and see what God's doing in a tattoo parlor." Really? Okay, so I went. And uh, on a Tuesday night, the tattoo parlor was full of kids at a Bible study, like sitting on the floor and everywhere. The point where I kept backing up and almost backed out the door, the back door, trying to make room for one more kid. They came to Jesus in droves that night and uh, I came home saying, Marvin, God's doing something incredible there. And he was like, really? In a tattoo parlor, you think? Yes, he is. You got to see this. And uh, that week, the girl that had started the tattoo parlor ministry called me and she said, we got to find a way to buy the tattoo parlor. I'm like, well, you know, that's cool and congratulations and all that, but I've never wanted to own a tattoo parlor. <laughs> I have never had a desire to own a tattoo parlor. I still don't. She said, but God's working here, and the owner's going to shut down, and we got to find a way to keep this going. And uh, I went to Marvin with <laughs> Can you imagine me going to Marvin? Like, Marvin, we have a student that wants to buy a tattoo parlor, and we have to help her. And... <laughs> And Marvin patiently listened to me, and I don't know, man, faith rose up in his heart. And he said, she's right. We need to own that thing. I was like, can you imagine going to our board? 
I have the best board in the world. But I was thinking, how am I going to face these people with God wants us to buy a tattoo parlor? Girl said she needed help. She couldn't swing it herself, and she needed an outside person to sign on the thing. And finally, Marv looked at me, and he said, we don't need to take this to the board. He said, you and I need to do this. <laughs> like Marvin, you're crazy. You're nuts. I don't want to own a tattoo parlor. I don't. I don't. He said, but people are getting saved there, man, and we got we to gotta keep this thing working. And sure enough, two weeks later or so, he and I bought a tattoo parlor. <laughs> I'm just telling you this for the first time, I know. <laughs> It's a little bit of a shock, but we owned a tattoo parlor for, I don't know, maybe a year till the team could um, figure out a way to get on their own. So that's the story of our tattoo parlor. Marvin was like that, man. He, he, he would say to me, I, I never had any vision. I don't have vision. I know you do. I'm here to support yours. And I will... Go to the mat for your vision every week. And boy, did he ever. He gave 110% every single week, year in and year out around here, through meeting a girl that would become his wife, through having children, four of them, through, man, planting churches. I went to him one time and I said, you know, Freedom Valley is not the only church we're supposed to start. He was like, Really? There's more? <laughs> yes. And he and I together worked, on, worked through planting 110 of them around the country. I just love it. I, I couldn't have found another person in the world to support me in this, these harebrained ideas. <laughs> I just couldn't have. But he did. And four years ago when I was in my traffic accident in Chicago, he and you all prayed me back to life. They called my wife and said, it doesn't look like he's going to make it. And you all went to prayer. And now he's gone. I text Friday morning. I couldn't sleep early in the morning. And I finally set out my motorcycle where my head gets cleared most of the time. And uh, just rode for a while. On the way back, I got a text from Mary, his wife, saying Marvin's in heaven. He'd had a, a year and a half ago, or two years or something, he um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which is what killed his mom, interestingly. And... Uh, I had coffee with him, I don't know, as recently as six or eight months ago, not very long ago, I had coffee with him. We had the best catch-up conversation. I love talking to that man. He could fill me with faith in the middle of his own crisis, give me hope and passion and vitality for the future. And we had coffee there in Somerville, South Carolina, where he lives now, and where he lived now, till Friday, and um, uh, caught up. And he said, my doctor tells me his complete confidence he'll get the cancer. 
I got years ahead. About uh, several months ago, um, he contracted pneumonia on top of fighting cancer, and they couldn't do cancer treatment for a while, several months. The next time they did a scan, they said the cancer spread, and it's now in his liver and other places. And uh, this is how I got the story anyway. They said there's no point in treating him anymore, and they're sending him home. Hospice says he might have two or three months, and I made plans to go down and be with him. Uh, a week later, he's gone. Such a hit. Such a hit. But uh, I love Jesus with a vengeance, and I went after it this morning and worshiped just saying, Jesus, I trust you with this. I don't know what you're doing half the time. Greg, I don't know why he healed you, but I'm so glad he did. And I don't know why Marvin didn't get healed. We were all praying for his healing. I don't know. I don't, a lot of things I don't understand, and I probably won't till I walk into heaven with him and have a sit down with Jesus, I guess. I don't get stuff. I'm sorry. Maybe some of you are ahead of me on this stuff, and if you are, great. I'm glad you do, but I don't. I got questions. I got to ask God what happened here. But the ultimate thing is for me is Marvin did get healed. He's got a whole new body today. He got transitioned into heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a cool promise. That is such a cool promise. I'm going to see him again. It's going to be longer between visits than I'd hoped, I guess. Like I wasn't planning to go see him today. <laughs> um, or soon. But uh, it's going to be longer between visits than I hope. but I'm going to see him again. And in the meantime, he's, I don't know, catching up with his mom and maybe meeting my mom. And uh, I don't know. I just trust God with that whole thing. I put it in God's hands and say, God... Uh, we, we're all going to die. That's not news to you, right? We, weren't, we were hoping it wasn't today, but we don't know. Marvin prayed me back to life four years ago, and now he's gone. And uh, I, I don't know how to handle all of that, but I just uh, I can put my faith in God and trust Him with stuff I can't figure out. And know that He has my best at heart. He's our best. He's Marvin's children's best. Ranging from, I don't know, maybe 17, 15, 13, 11, I don't know, something like that. Is it 11 to 17? There's a 17-year-old in there. Okay. Uh, I, I, a lot of things I don't understand, but I do know this. God healed him ultimately. My faith is in the Lord here, not in what I can do or people can do or doctors can do. My faith is in Jesus. And uh, that's actually it's what I want to preach about today because the Bible says there, there is a thing you should hold tight to. There's a, 
there's people for you to motivate. I want to talk about who you should motivate. And there's a thing you should never, ever neglect in your life. We find this in Hebrews chapter 10, and I'd love for you to move over there with me to Hebrews 10. Um, we're going to read it. It'll be on the screen in a, in a moment. Um, we're going to read this together and believe that God will minister this in our lives today. Uh, you know, we grieve for Fanny, who lived a wonderful, long, great life, Fanny Andrews. We grieve for Marvin, and I think his was cut a little on the short side. But I trust that God has good at heart for you and for me, for Marvin, for everybody. God wants to bless. And here's how to position yourself at a place where he will bless you and he will help you. It's what to hold tight to, who to motivate, and what to never, ever neglect. I want to read with you in Hebrews 10. So if you know what to do, I just got to say this yet. If you know what to do, if you know how to do it, you'll never have just another Sunday. This is a message series we're calling Never Just Another Sunday. This will get you to the next level of uh, enjoying every week and passionately living a life that God lived to make the world a better place and to participate with him in um, uh, forcefully advancing good in your world today. Read with me now in Hebrews 10, 19. And so... Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That's what I was doing this morning in worship, putting my trust once again in God today. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Here's the meat of the matter today. Let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. First thing is to hold tightly to, to what? Hope. Hold tightly to hope. I want to talk about that in a moment. Verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Acts of love and good works. What? Seriously, God, this doesn't seem like much you're giving us here. I should, like, say nice things to other people? Let's keep reading there for a minute. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. God, help me to preach your word with power today. Let our hearts receive. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want to focus on is that first phrase in verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Hope is an incredible entity in the human experience. If you have hope, you live your life at a higher level than people without hope. I just want you to think about this for a minute with me. If somebody told you that life isn't worth anything, it's not going anywhere, it has no purpose and meaning, what's the point? What are you likely to do today to hurt yourself? Just about anything you can to feel a little bit of high, 
to feel a little bit of disconnection from the pain of the thought. Life isn't going anywhere. It has no purpose and meaning. It doesn't, there's no value to it. But value is a learned behavior. Like the first time you saw gold, did you value it? You were probably three at the time, and nobody had told you to value it because value is learned. First time you saw an $8,000 diamond, what did you think? Well, that's a cute little rock or something, right? Nobody taught you that people pay a lot of money for this thing. And because you weren't taught and you have not been educated, you didn't know to value it. Values are learned behaviors. They're not something that come naturally to us. You have to be taught to value things. You're taught to value life. You're taught to value the preciousness of the human existence. You're taught to value that there is a, a, a purpose for us here on earth. Those things, when you place your value on them and you choose to give them the credit that God called you to give, all of that matriculates to hope in your soul. And hope comes from this promise that we have from God. Let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm that you have to hold on to tightly because if hope starts eroding from your soul, you lose the ability to function. You know, f four years ago, in my traffic accident, I came out of there with, with I, I could not think thoughts about the future. I couldn't. I tried. I had vision sessions around here, and I could not think about tomorrow. Couldn't focus on how, to, how I was going to live. I, was, I didn't realize that afterward because a part of my brain got hit that, uh, processes all of those things, I guess. And I just couldn't process what tomorrow could be like. I discovered that hope is something you have to have the energy for. You have to choose to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. My wife and I had a time this week where we were uh, thinking about um, what God has done through Freedom Valley, especially in the light of Marva's death and all that. And, and uh, has used us and all that. We looked back for a while. Then we started saying, okay, but what about the future? How about the future? Because you can look back too long. And I just say this. I have a word from the Lord for somebody this morning that you've been looking back too long. It's a safe place for you. and something you've come to value in looking back. But you can't change the past at all. The past is past. It's over. You got to let it go. And you got to uh, focus yourself on thinking about the future. Hope does that for you. When you have hope, you will try harder than other people to live life at a higher level because you have nurtured in yourself the belief that God wants to do something through you. He wants to use you. He wants to make your life a help to the world. Hope's such a powerful thing. So, he says here in Hebrews, cling tightly to that hope. Understand its incredible value. You know, so, sometimes somebody does a lot of funerals. I, I sometimes worry that in our funeral settings, we don't hold tightly to hope when we talk about that person laying in that coffin. That's not a person in that coffin. 
It's not. They're not there anymore. That's a shell. The Bible calls it a tent of what they lived in for a while. At this point, at the point of the funeral, they're not in it. And no matter how many memories you have with that body, that's not the person. I got I to hold that value high. Because the hope that we have is that eternal life is so much bigger than this. So much more worthwhile than this. And eternal life is what we're living for. And when you have that hope, you live at a higher level. You choose not to poison yourself with stuff. You choose not to hurt yourself. Because you're valuing that God has put you here to make the world better. And that value engenders in you a higher life than anybody else has. It's tremendous in living higher. God uses all kinds of things for that. I had a conversation with my son a couple days ago. He called me from New York City and he said, Man, the, the news of Marv's death hit him so hard. And I said, talk to me, boy, because it hit me hard too. He said, Dad, you remember probably 20 years ago, I was a little child, and you preached about how God uses names sometimes to give hope. Yes, and I remember that message well. Talked about how God changed Saul's name from Saul to Paul when he got saved. How God changed Cephas to Peter. Jesus did. And then I, I pointed us to that verse in Revelation, just read this this week, where the Bible says that there's a new name written down that only you and him know. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? God has a pet name for you. That's the coolest thing that only you and him know. And nobody else has a privilege for that. And I said, man, son, I remember that like it was yesterday. I remember that entire sermon because God was speaking to me through it. And Evan said, man, I remember that too. And he said, you know that that day, sorry, I got to figure out how to get through this. He said that day, Marvin said to me, Evan, God has a new pet name for you. And if you could be called anything at all, if you, if you could be called anything, what do you think you would be called? And Evan's like, I don't know, six or seven or something. He's really young. He says, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd love to have a cool name. Not Evan. I'd like to have like... I'd like him to call me like Hector Alex. And he was just, he's just messing around because Marvin asked. And you know, he said for the next 20 years, every time Marv sees him, Marv called him Hector Alex. <laughs> and he said it was just a special thing between me and Marvin. Marvin was just investing in me. Every time he said that name, he was saying, Evan, I want you to become everything God called you to be. Is that cool? 
man, I fell in love with Marvin all over again, right there on the spot. Marvin's not just my best friend, but he's the best friend of my boy. That meant so much. That meant so much. The point is, it says here, hold tight to hope, because hope makes you live life at a higher level. It causes you to say no to the other destructive things that other people are doing with themselves. And to value yourself, to value what God made in you. To believe that God created you, not your body, but you, the you that's real inside of your earthly tent. To live for eternity, to make a difference for eternity. Hold tight to that. So when you're at a funeral, you don't talk about that that person laying there because they're not. They're gone. That used to be what they lived in, and we value that. We value that God used Marvin in powerful ways. We value that God used your friend in powerful ways. That's great. But they're not there anymore. And to, to cling tightly to the hope that God made me for something more than this is helped by me recognizing that that body's not that person anymore. They moved on. So, I just got to tell you that Julie and I started talking about how we want to go someday. Don't look at me in that tone of voice, not today anymore, but someday. And you make plans, you know, and um, we were looking for the cheapest way to dispose of our earthly tent. I know some of you are going to think this is bizarre, but just bear with me for a little bit. It gets better. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we thought about uh, cremation is one of the cheaper ways. It just speeds up the process because every, everybody's body is going to disintegrate. Sorry to tell you this. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You're hurting me now. You're scaring me. But I found a cheaper way. Because <laughs> I'm not going to be using it anymore. And I discovered you can donate your body to science. And they even pay a little bit for it. I'm thinking that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Diane, for laughing with me. I appreciate that. We need a little laughter in here. Uh, <laughs> and the point is that we have hope. Hope that I'm not in that body anymore. I don't care what you do with it because it's just a tent I lived in for a while. I don't care. I don't. I think that we should respect what God did, but God could use anything. He could raise up sons of Abraham out of rocks, they told Jesus. Meaning, he doesn't need what he used as my body for a while to do that. Hold tight to that hope. Value is something you choose. And when you have hope in God wanting to use you for the future, it has a powerful way that it works itself out in your life. It has a powerful result in your life. 
that it will help you so much. Second thing I want you to notice that he says, verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. When's the last time you thought about motivating anybody else? Now, hang on before you answer this. Don't answer it out loud. Because here's the thing. It occurred to me this week as I was meditating on this and asking the Lord for wisdom on it, that you're either motivating other people or you need to be motivated. Do you follow that? If you're not motivating anybody else, you need motivated. Because people that are motivating other people have that blessing come back on them. Do you follow that? That's so huge. That's so huge. So if you're struggling with depression today, can I tell you I'm offering you a way out. The way out is when you motivate other people toward love and good things, it helps you. Man, that's strong. That is so huge. If you motivate other people, you feel better. Oh, this is, one of the, this is one of the great secrets of living a life above everybody, every other depressed person in the world. Listen, I don't know how you got depressed. I don't know. I don't know what you went through. It must have been awful. But I know the way out. The way out is when you try to motivate other people, you feel better from the inside out. You feel more powerful, you feel more able, you feel more focused, you feel more worthwhile. God changes you when you give it to other people. You don't give it to other people and something dies. Something inside of us stops functioning. Something inside of us just, the candle goes out. You were made to motivate other people. And if you don't have people around you right now that you're motivating or helping, you're the one struggling Man, I want to get that word into the body today. I, I remember uh, I was a child. My brother came home from church one Sunday, and he said, I got something from God today. And I'm like, what? He said, I am never leaving church again in my entire life without motivating somebody. I want to encourage people. I'm going to encourage people for the rest of my life. Well, as long as he did that, he never lived a discouraged day. Man, it's a prophetic word for somebody here. You're struggling with depression and saying, I wondered why. And I wonder, how do I get out of this? How you get out of it is you start encouraging other people around you and watch what happens. You feel better. All day long, you feel better. You become somebody worthwhile because you gave to other people. So I made a short list of some ways to motivate other people. First of all, be pleasant, because nobody wants to be around a sad sack. Just say it. If people want to be away from you, it might be because you've become sad. You say, well, I need other people to build me up. No, they don't want to be close to you when you're sad. When you give to them, they want to be close to you. Do you follow that? And listen... You're responsible to build your own friendship circle. It's not built for anybody because you're so wonderful. It's not. It's built because you have something to, out of your spirit to come out to help them. And if you're not doing that, your friendship circle's dying. 
You're made to motivate other people to love and good works. That's what you're made to do. So, I'm sorry, be pleasant. That's the first one. Secondly, be specific in what you're asking them. You know, most of us cannot name what we need out of the other people around us. We're so hesitant to say, honey, I need a little more of this or I need a little more of that. I need whatever. We're very hesitant to own our own stuff. You can't live life well if you're not willing to take responsibility for what you need out of it. Three, lead by doing it yourself. Everything you want from other people, you ought to be doing for somebody, your own self. Because most people learn by watching you. Lead by doing it yourself. Four, invite other people. Always be inviting other people. Always be inviting other people into your life, into your uh, connection with people, into your experience. Invite other people. Five, encourage people. Encourage. You are encouraged if you encourage other people. Sorry, I already made that point. Six, talk about how it helps to do good for other people. Talk about that. I was just having a conversation this week with a lady who's been sentenced by a judge somewhere to do 120 hours of community service, and she said, could I do it at Freedom Valley? Sure. We'll figure out a way to, to, for you to be busy. And she said to me after one uh, session this week, she said, I'm feeling so good about myself. And I said, why? She said, because I'm giving to other people. I'm doing things for other people. I'm not asking for any money back. I don't get anything back out of this. I just get to do it for the church. And I love that. She said, turns out it's a tremendous blessing for me to go to prison. Really? Talk to me about that. She said, the blessing is that I was getting agoraphobia, which is the fear of just going outside. I, my fears were taking over my life. I couldn't function. I got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until I couldn't leave my house. Thank God I went to jail because it forced me out. And now I'm doing this community service again. It forces me out. It forces me to connect with other people, which is what I needed and I didn't know it. Man, some of us are that close from agoraphobia. We think it's the, the fears are the bad people, and the fears have, we got to stop the fears. You know, nobody but you can stop your own fears. you got to stop your own. you got to stop your own. And the way you stop it is you encourage other people. Talk about how it helps. Verse, that's number six. Number seven, you appreciate those who offer themselves into your life. Let me just cover those again, this time without stopping. I'm going to cover all seven of them in case you're thinking about these, you're taking notes, or you're checking yourself on a checklist or whatever. First of all, be pleasant. Secondly, be specific in what you're asking. Third, lead by doing it yourself. Fourth, invite other people to be involved. Fifth, encourage everybody around you. Sixth, talk about how it helps to do good for others. Seven, appreciate those who offer themselves to you. That is an incredibly encouraging lineup of ways you can encourage other people around you to do good, to be good, to be great people. Last one. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together. I can just hear you say, boy, this is typical of a pastor to preach this. And I'm just saying, yes, it is. I preach it without apology because the Word of God tells me that there's something incredibly 
seductive about our desire to be alone by ourselves and separated from other people. But it's deadly. I want you to know it's deadly. I want you to install a little warning in your spirit that a red flag waves whenever you want to withdraw and just be all alone by yourself. Now, of course, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. There's a time for aloneness. There's a time for you to separate yourself and all that. But it's up to you to know when it's becoming a thing that has drawn you away from the fire of life, the fire that other people could share with you, and the way to connect yourself with other people around you. If we had a fireplace up here, and there's three logs burning, and I took a tongues, and I got one of the logs out of that fire, and I set it in front of the fire, three or four or five feet in front of the fire, just out here, all by itself, what would happen to that burning log? It would stop, because they all stop when they burn by themselves. You're like that. When you try to burn by yourself, you burn for a, a couple of minutes. There's a little bit going on inside of you, but not very long until it just goes out. Everything stops connecting, and you stop burning. Listen, the fire of faith requires you to burn. You've got to burn with faith. You've got you to build from the people around you. And something about putting yourself around other people causes you to get hot for God. You, you don't do it by yourself. I don't want to say you can't, because I believe you can, probably. But most don't. And the reason we don't is God made us for community. He, made, he put us in small groups. He put us in a church. He put us around other people who, can, who we can connect with, and we can draw f- fire from them at that moment when we're feeling down. Somebody else comes with, a, with something burning inside of them, and we catch it. And we can burn for a while because of that. Because that, that going on in somebody else. So he says, don't neglect the meeting. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Now listen, what he's saying to some people do, he was saying in the first century, centuries ago. Do you think it's gotten any better in the centuries since? No, it hasn't. We're still tempted to withdraw and become separate and private and not share with anybody and just be by ourselves. And I don't need anybody. I don't need other people. You're a liar, and Satan has inspired that lie. You do need other people. You need to catch the fire of other people. You need to be around other people of faith. You need to put yourself at a place where sometimes they draw you into things you wouldn't get drawn into if it weren't for them asking you to go deeper with God. you got to go deeper. Go to a whole other level with God. So do not neglect meeting together. This is what to never, ever ne- neglect. I, love, I grew up in, a, in an Amish family in southern Lancaster County. My mom uh, would plan all week for Sunday. And I'm like, Mom, that's a little delusional. Sunday's not the biggest day in the world. It's just Sunday. Man, I appreciate to this day how she did it. Saturday all day would be about getting ready for Sunday. I remember when I left the Amish church and I came back home and I thought my parents would have things to say, negative things to say. And my mom said to me, son, where'd you go to church this morning? I thought, wow, all the things you have to say, that's the thing you're asking? Yeah, that's the thing I'm asking because she, she was saying to me in nonverbal ways that your connection with 
people of faith is incredibly important. And even if they're not faith people like ours, even if they're not Amish, you need to be around people of faith. Because if, you, if you're not around people of faith, your faith goes out. It just does. You were made to be around. You say, well, those people didn't help me that much lately. Man, who did you help? Who did you encourage? How did you make life better for somebody else? Who did you pat on the back this morning? Who did you compliment or appreciate or love or encourage in some way? Who? Because if you did, you feel good about today, all day, and tomorrow, and this week. You feel good about it. you got to keep meeting together so that you can do that. He said, let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do. But encourage each other again with the encouragement. Again with the need to be that kind of person. That's what he's saying. Make it a priority. Plan for it. Make it important. Understand that we need each other. We need to connect. People need people. Now, Jesus said it, it doesn't need to be huge crowds. He said, where two or three gather, I'm there. Doesn't need, you don't need the whole world, but you need somebody. You need people around you who have faith and are, have set themselves on God that you can be with to catch fire from. Going away to be a hermit. Saying you don't need people is one of those lies Satan wants to drag you into. Because of what it does in you. It destroys you from the inside out. Makes it impossible for you to be the great person that God's called you to be because you committed yourself to let other people speak into your life no matter what they are or what they're like. I want to give you an opportunity. See, I think this third one is the important one. It says, don't stop meeting together. What you never, ever neglect is important when he says, what to hold tight to, hold tight to hope, well, that comes from being around other people. Who to motivate, that comes from being around other people. What to never, ever neglect is you've got to put yourself around other people to be able to draw fire from them and to allow them to speak into your life. So I would like to give you an opportunity as we get into the decision time of this message. I'd like to give you an opportunity to say, I've been a little lax. I've been a little sloppy about this part of my life. I don't commit. I don't put myself around other people very much. I don't encourage them at all. Hardly at all. I don't give to them much. I need to find a way to put myself around other people. Encourage and build them up so we can all hold tight to hope. And we live that higher life that God's called us to. If you've become sloppy, maybe you've even neglected the meeting together part, you're ready to make a commitment to say, okay, God, I hear you. I'm going to be this person from now on. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to let you move in church, and I'm going to contribute to motivating other people in church and loving them. That's who I'm going to be. I want to give you that opportunity. And then if there's anybody here, you just want a fresh start with Jesus. You want him to wipe out your past, forgive your sins, take over your life and make you the wonderful new person he's intended you to be. I want to give you that opportunity as well. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we look to you in this moment to put a capstone on this message somehow. God, I thank you for Marvin. 
Thank you for Fanny Andrews, for what they've contributed, encouragement and love to our lives. What a gift they have been. I pray that you do what you promised you'd do. Take care of their families in their absence. Lord, there might be people here today who've just neglected meeting together. They've neglected being around people. They've neglected committing themselves to letting other people speak into their lives, and most importantly, to speaking into other people's lives. I pray that today you would forgive us, you'd give us another shot with this. Help us commit deeply, irrevocably, that you and your people will be first. We'll never, ever neglect a meeting together. We'll never, ever neglect putting you and your people first. Lord, if there are people here who can make that decision, that determination today, I speak your blessing on them as they do it. And then maybe there's people here who want to receive Jesus, want to live a whole new life with him in charge. Meet us for both of those. Would you keep your heads bowed right now and your eyes closed for just a moment? How many of you would say, Jerry, I've become sloppy. I've even neglected the meeting together part. I need to make a commitment now that for the rest of my life, I will meet with other believers and I'll let the fire of their lives affect me. If that's you, you're ready to make that commitment before God. You've not made this commitment before, but you're ready to make it now. Would you raise your hand? I'd just like to see who you are. Thanks. I see a whole bunch of hands. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Jesus. How about one more? As heads are bowed and eyes closed, if, if you're ready to say, I need Jesus to take over my life. I need him to help me live a whole new life. I need him to forgive my sins. Oh, my gosh, my mistakes are too big. But he promised he'd forgive if you'd confess. And if you want to receive him and let him take over your life and let him begin that process of making you that whole new person, maybe you need to receive him again because recently you've got a little sloppy with that and you want to make him number one again. Would you raise your hand right now? If you want to receive Jesus to forgive your sins, you want to receive him again. Thank you. I see two over here. Thank you. I got you right up front there. Thank you. I got you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? We've had four already. Is there, is there others? Thank you, Jesus. I got you. Awesome. Good choice. You made a good choice. God, I thank you for what you've done here today. Thank you for those seven who said, I want Jesus to take over my life, forgive my sins, and give me hope. Give me a focus. Give me value. Teach them to live like Jesus. So committed to other people that they are willing to sacrifice anything for the people around them and to get to that next level. For those who said they want to commit to being around faith, being around church, being in church, I ask you, Father, to give them the courage and strength to live that out every day. And I know how the enemy works. I know how hard he's going to work at discouraging them from doing it. But I ask you 
that you would raise up in them an understanding of value and purpose and vitality that would burn out whatever the enemy sends to them and would build their determination to keep you first, keep your kingdom first, bless them, anoint them, let their days ahead become sweet as they learn how to live that out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-M-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. everybody, welcome to Freedom Valley App Groups, where we apply the message we heard this weekend at FB Church. This weekend, Pastor Jerry was preaching in our Never Just Another Sunday series about the importance of us encouraging one another, holding on to the hope we have, and continuing the faith together. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of church, right? Yeah. Is to get together, worship God together, inspire each other mm-hmm. in that, and then also encourage each other in that hope. Yeah, and this month we've kind of been talking in our home groups about the sin that's tangling us up. And if you actually read the the first part of Hebrews, it talks about the the sin in our life. And it actually says that the Holy Spirit writes his laws on our heart and puts his laws in our mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we've been talking about. If there's something in your life that God's made you aware of, then you need to take care of it. But today we want to talk about how we can help each other take care of it. Yeah, sometimes encouragement, strengthening, comfort, it's not always easy to hear. In fact, the gift of exhortation is a little bit of rebuke and a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. There's there's some rebuke in there. When we get together around each other, we have to hold each other accountable. And so how do you do that? When somebody brings something to you that they can identify in your life that isn't quite right, do yeah. you respond in anger and offense and want to lash back? Or do you take it? Do you try to figure out what you could change if they're right or not, and go to God with it. And this responsibility, it's on all of us as believers. Mm -hmm. You you can't expect, well, the leader of the home group, they'll take care of everything. I'll just come, I'll get fed, and I'll leave. No, we're all responsible for one another in love to, to know what's going on and offer help to say, hey, how can I be there? Can I pray with you? Give me a call. When we when we finish our conversations in home groups, do you just leave immediately, or do you do you talk to somebody about something that that God's laying on your heart? When you're at home, are you praying for one another? Mm-hmm. We we need to go beyond just Sunday in our encouragement of one another and our prayer for one another. And well, this passage says, "Don't neglect meeting mm-hmm. together," because it is easy to be selfish and stay home and not. Go to church ready to, to give in to the people around you. But that is what it's all about. That's what home groups are all about. Show up ready to give in to the people in your group, not just take from it what you can take, but to really encourage them and help them grow as well. So let's keep getting to know each other, praying for one another, and not neglect meeting together. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Have a great week, guys. <laughs>